And welcome into another edition of the Retirement Lifestyles Radio Show. Welcome aboard. My name is Jeremy Bolker, and we are with the longtime host of RLA Radio, four-time best-selling author and frequent keynote speaker at many financial industry events. I want to welcome in Dennis Tubergen to the program. And uh, Dennis, we want to welcome in some of our new listeners as well to the program. And, and Dennis, welcome aboard. Well, Jeremy, always a pleasure to be with you. Looking forward to informing the listeners today. And there are a couple of housekeeping things we want you to know, and we will be telling you about these uh, websites throughout uh, the program here today, but is we want to make sure that you are all caught up on all of the different reports that are available. And you can find those at requestyourreport.com. Again, that's requestyourreport.com. There is also, uh, we'll just touch on today a little bit, but the Precious Metal Buyer's Guide, you can find that at plpmetals.com. That's P as in Papa, L as in Larry, P as in Papa, metals.com, plpmetals.com. Are just some different websites where you can find out some more information as we take a deep dive into uh, the whole economic uh, forecast of the markets and maybe see how things actually operate. And uh, Dennis Tubergen is very knowledgeable about this, has hosted this radio program uh, and this podcast program for many years. And Dennis, we haven't seen a time like this in many years. And one of those things uh, in your uh, more recent uh, portfolio watch, it's one of your new, uh, your weekly newsletters, you talk about inflation. And not only how it affects consumer prices, but reported economic data. And there's a lot of stuff there that can, you know, the economy can really look healthier than it actually is based on some of those items and based on inflation. And uh, if you could, you address some of it in Portfolio Watch, but if you could expound upon that. Yeah, Jeremy, glad to. So let me just remind the listeners that if you're not yet a subscriber to my weekly Portfolio Watch newsletter, uh, you can go subscribe or read the weekly newsletter at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. There's a lot of free resources there. And as Jeremy mentioned, uh, it is the last week to get the uh, report that is titled, It's the Debt Stupid. It's how debt in the private sector and on the balance sheet of the federal government uh, may affect your retirement. So again, that's requestyourreport.com. Now, Jeremy, to get to your question, uh, currency devaluation leading to flaws in economic data. You know, everybody thinks about inflation and they think prices are going up. It's going to cost me more for the gallon of milk or the loaf of bread. But what you really have to think about is the U.S. dollar is a measuring stick. And here's what I mean by that. When you think about gross domestic product, what what does the U.S. economy produce? That is measured in U.S. dollars. Inflation is measured in U.S. dollars. The stock market going up. How are stocks priced? They're they're, they're priced in U.S. dollars. Now, let me give you a bit of an analogy here, because one of my favorite recreational activities is going fishing in the Florida Keys. So I'm going to admit here in front of lots of listeners that I am an unapologetic meat eater and I like nice fresh seafood as well as a prime cut of beef. Now that said, uh, when I go to the Florida Keys and go fishing, one of the fish I like to catch has to be 12 inches long. So it's really easy for me to take a standard 12 inch ruler, put it up next to the fish and say, that's a keeper, that one's not. 
Now, what if I recalibrate this ruler? What if I cut it down to eight inches and I repaint it so it looks like a 12-inch ruler? I've changed the metric. I've devalued the ruler. And the outcome is I, I look like a lot better fisherman. I have a lot more keepers. So what happens when the U.S. dollar is devalued similarly is the reported numbers are larger, even though the underlying data or the reality of the economy doesn't change. So when you think about gross domestic product, if we have the real inflation rate every year of 10%, that means the reported economic output goes up 10%, not because the economy actually grew 10%, but because the dollar actually was devalued by 10%. So you have to think about this and this skews economic data so that the economy actually looks better than maybe it really is. So it's important to understand that whenever you hear of any economic data or stocks, I mean, stocks go up 10% when the dollar is devalued 10%. Companies didn't make more money. Um, companies didn't become more profitable. Companies didn't make more sales. The dollar, the measuring stick, was devalued. So it really skews the reported economic data. And the proper lens to look at this data through is through the lens of a measuring stick that is being devalued. So, Dennis, that's got to be very difficult to do. You used in your example, what you just talked about is like, let's say, a 10% increase in GDP. But in reality is that we actually got as a consumer, it could have been 20% less stuff. We still spent 10% more. So the GDP grew 10%. But in reality, we didn't get anywhere close to that amount of value back in, let's say, goods or services, correct? Yeah, exactly. And you know, when you when you look at how this affects stocks, for example, because many of our listeners probably own stocks or some derivative of stocks, maybe you've got some stock mutual funds. Um, go back and, and take a look, for example, 20 years ago in, 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 in 2000, the Dow was at 18,000. So that that is priced in dollars. But if we take a look at using a different metric to determine the valuation of stocks, let's Let's value stocks in gold in 2000. Well, back in 2000, 23 years ago, the price of gold per ounce was $300. So if I take the value of the Dow, 18,000, and I divide by the price of gold per ounce, which is $300, it's 60 ounces of gold that was needed to buy the Dow. Now today, with the price of gold at $2,000 an ounce, it takes 17 ounces of gold to buy the Dow. So have stocks gone up, priced in dollars, yes, priced in gold, no. So that's more evidence that the appreciation that it takes place in dollars may have more to do with depreciation of the currency rather than appreciation or real growth in the underlying value of the asset. So, I mean, it's the same thing. So, I mean, that's really, you have to watch out if you're looking at your 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 stocks right now and your 401ks and your Roth IRAs that this is a pretty much a, a rosy picture that's being painted when it's really not there. Yeah, and and you know that that uh, there's an interesting perspective if we want to take that to another uh to take it a step further. Um what about the inflation rate? I I mean, one of the things we hear all the time reported on mainstream media, we hear it reported by many uh, analysts is that the American consumer 
is spending more money. The American consumer is resilient. Because of the resiliency of the American consumer, we are going to have a soft economic landing. Now, as you know, Jeremy, it's my opinion that we are not going to have a soft economic landing. I don't think there is a chance we could have a soft economic landing. And past guest here on the program, Mr. Peter Schiff, said that, you know, every time retail sales come in higher than expected, we get this this this, this mantra, this narrative that the American consumer is strong and resilient, but that's really not what's going on. American consumers are just spending more to buy the same stuff. I mean, think about everything you buy today versus a few years ago. You're spending a lot more money today to get the same thing. Well, that means that when you look at the dollars that are actually being spent, it looks like the consumer is spending more, and they are in terms of dollars, but because the dollar is being devalued, they're spending a lot more to get the same stuff because everything you buy costs more. So assuming you don't buy less, and, and people are buying less, but assuming you don't buy less, if you just buy the same stuff and everything costs more, retail sales are going to go up, even though more stuff isn't being sold, it's just sold by the same amount of stuff by using a devalued measuring stick or metric. So when you hear those numbers, when you hear those stats quoted, it does not mean the U.S. economy is thriving. It doesn't mean Americans are on a spending free spree to buy more stuff. What they're doing? They're buying less and they're paying more and they're likely buying fewer of the things they want because they're paying a lot more to buy the things that they need. So, you know, we could go through and, and dig into this, but the reality is, and we talk about this in uh, the special report titled, It's the Debt. It's your last month to, uh, last week rather, to get that report by going to requestyourreport.com. We'll be glad to send you that as well as some bonus information but but this is really important, and I, I think that when you take a look at how this affects the value of stocks, uh, how it how it affects uh, you know the, the the American consumer out there, the average person saving for retirement, um, it's going to be more difficult moving ahead. I mean, if you go out to eat, if you eat out less, you're still spending more because it's costing a lot more to go out to eat. So again, I'd advise the listeners, if you want to check out the weekly Portfolio Watch newsletter, it's free. Go to requestyourreport.com. If you'd like to get the report titled, It's the Debt, uh, go to requestyourreport.com. And as you mentioned at the outset, Jeremy, we also have a precious metals buying guide available for free. That's at plpmetals.com. That's papalimapapametals.com. And I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is returning guest, Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, many of you who are longtime listeners to the program and podcast will recognize Dr. Nenner as um, a, a very, very uh, specialized analyst. He uh, actually uses cycles to analyze markets. I have uh, followed his work for uh, several years now, and I found his work to be uh, incredibly reliable. So I know you're going to enjoy uh, our time today with Dr. Nenner. And uh, Charles, welcome back to the program. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. So Dr. Nenner, let's just jump right in. Uh, when someone hears about cycles and using cycles to forecast markets, many people are going to be somewhat skeptical. 
address that potential skepticism. Well, except except that, let me just give you a fact. If they will go to my website and look at our uh, track record, they see we make 100, 150% a year, year after year. So that speaks for itself. But now the explanation. Uh, I'm a trained medical doctor, and I joined a group of psychiatrists years ago to find out if all over the world people become psychotic at the same moment. And we found out they did. And we, we put down the dates. And then we, from that, we could project it in the future. And it really worked, which means that every so many years, every so many months, people become more psychotic in the world. So then I saw a program about CNBC in, when I was in New York. And they said, Mark, it goes up and down. You know, all the pundits have all kinds of stories. And then I thought, let me apply it to the same to the same situation. So I built what they call now artificial intelligence, but I did it in the mid eighties already. And I called it a neural networks because the computer finds more than we do. And then we found that every so many days, we have even have intraday services, many so many hours. We know if the market goes up and down, not only that, we also know how much it goes up and how much it goes down. Now people are skeptical. I will gonna give it some, some basis. Um, I did a lot of research on the intensity of, of, of the solar flares, and there is a cycle in the emission of, of the sun, uh, which, which you can even find four weeks uh, into the future if you go to the NASA uh, uh, website. Now, how did I come about that? Because once I had a big uh, long-term chart of the Dow Jones, and I have a friend who was an astronomer. He says, oh, this is like the the sunspot intensity. So then I start plotting the sunspot intensity. And what I found is that if there is a high intensity of sunspot, then there is the, what Greenspan used to say, irrational exuberance. And people take risks. And when it's a very low amount, then markets go down because people become depressed. Now, the interesting thing is, in 2007-8, in the, in, the, in the down move, there was the lowest intensity of 500 years. So that made sense. So just to make the story complete, the sun, sun intensity leads to an electromagnetic field down here that, that influences the crystallization of water. And like my, most people probably know, is our, our, our brains are almost 80% water. So we're being influenced directly by the electromagnetic field based on the sunspot intensity. And that's why cycles work. So it's not a, a mystical thing. There definitely is a physical component why they work. And the computer figured this all out. Um, so the interesting thing is sometimes uh, something happens and then there is an, an issue like we were in 100% cash four weeks before the corona crisis because the cycles came down and we didn't know what it's going to be. It says, you know, something's going to happen over here. Uh, so the news follows the cycles. So when there is exuberance, people do crazy things, and then a market can go down when the exuberance is over. And that's actually the basis for cycle work.
Well, I'm chatting today with Dr. Charles Nenner. The website he mentioned is charlesnenner.com. The website, again, is charlesnenner.com. That's N-E-N-N-E-R, charlesnenner.com. You can get a 30-day free trial for his work by visiting that website also. Um, so, Dr. Nenner, absolutely fascinating. But uh, as you were talking, it, it's very interesting to me how you actually made the jump, made the leap to say, you know, we, we studied... Uh, as medical professionals, uh, when people tend to be more psychotic, uh, how, how did you how did you connect the dots and say, hey, this might work for financial markets as well? Well, I, I do it also for other things. I gave you gave you an example. I have big clients who are in the uh, music industry, and sometimes to bring out a new uh, uh, old record, but in in a new in new form. So then I do my research based on cycles, and I can tell them it has to be a women singer, it has to be a male singer, it has to be brought out in spring, it has to be brought out in, in, in summer. Or I work with big big uh, companies who uh, buy in Hong Kong uh, for fashion, and they want to know what the fashion is for the next two years, three years. Now you probably know, I never ask how old you are, but you know sometimes about double-breasted suits and sometimes single-breasted suits. And if you build a cycle, you can predict what the fashion is going to be, what the color is going to be the next two years. And it works in all kinds of, of fields. Uh, you just take the history and uh, and the neural networks will project it in the future. And then you know what's going to happen in the future. So, Dr. Nano, when you first studied, when you first started studying and recognizing that cycles exist, uh, you said the 80s, computerization looked a lot different 40 years ago than today. Uh, did you use a computer initially, or was this something that you just uh, you know, figured out using the old-fashioned uh, pen and legal pad? Yes, that's what I So when I came back from New York after seeing this, this NBC uh, situation, I went to the library, and I looked for the last 50, 60 years of Wall Street journals, and I started doing it by hand. Um, and then I figured this out. So then it was interesting. I went to, uh, I was waiting then to, to get another specialization in, in medicine. And uh, so I went to a Merrill Lynch office and this is what I can do. And they gave me a chance. That was 1985. Uh, in 87, uh, we predicted up to the exact day, the crash. I still have the chart to show to people how we did that. And that went so well. So I started my own firm in uh, in uh, 1987 and i retired three four years later and then what happened was i got married in 98 and my wife says oh it's nice new york can we stay here I says well we're not americans we can stay here and i told some people and then it came to goldman sachs and i says oh you're back in business i says i'm not sure why don't you come over we'll take care of your visa you can stay in new york and that's how my whole career started again until uh, Obama, after the the, the, the the catastrophe of 2007-8, says uh, you cannot do too much prop trading anymore because I did all the timing for the old investments of Goldman Sachs for years. So me and my partners left, and I started my own firm, doing exactly what I did for Goldman Sachs. Well, and you can view Dr. Nenner's track record at charlesnenner.com, and he's also offering our listeners a 30-day free trial to his work. So. Uh, Dr. Nenner, let's let's shift gears a minute here in the time we have left. We've got about three and a half minutes left in this segment. Let's talk a little bit about uh, financial markets, inflation, interest rates, and, and just what your cycles are telling you. 
Uh, let's start with a topic that uh, has affected the living standards of many people all around the world, and that is inflation. Uh, are your cycles telling you anything about where inflation goes from here? Yeah, the infl- well, everything goes up and down. I think in a week or so, we're getting more inflation. And we have a problem with inflation until, let me think, I think it's 2040, 45. Um, and we also get much higher interest uh, until that time. Not short term. We have been selling bonds around 188 to 30 years. There's now around 108. We're close to a, a tradable low, so we're going to uh, buy a little bit soon. Uh, I say that because if people hear me one time, they follow it and they don't know exactly what to do. So I prefer to go to my website and see how we do it. Uh, that's temporary. So temporary, it could be that long-term rates are going a bit lower, but they're going up for the next 20 years. That is, you know, 2040 to 2045. So you're suggesting we're going to have more inflation, not just for a few years. You're talking a couple decades, if I'm hearing you correctly. Well, that's also a very simple cycle. If you, uh, most people don't have that ready, but if you look at the history since 1700, 1750, you see every so many years uh, and centuries, there is inflation and then there's deflation and inflation. And it's a very regular cycle. The question here is, if, you, if you're part of, of the belief that anything can happen in the world, in the world history, you will not look for it. If you, like me, say, listen, in long term, there's no free choice in things that happen, then you're going to look for what the long term is. And then suddenly you discover, discover all these patterns. Uh, you just need a lot of data. And you need a very fast computer. And you need the right, the right program like we have. And then uh, there are no surprises. Very interesting. Well, my guest today is Dr. Charles Nenner. His website is charlesnenner.com. His track record is there. And uh, Dr. Nenner, in the minute or so we have left, um, what markets are you actually tracking for your subscribers? Well, we, we, we track the, from the NASDAQ, S&P, Dow Jones, the FANG. We track the VIX. We track the European markets. We track uh, uh, natural gas, crude oil, the 30-year bond, the 10-year bond, the TLT, the boons, the euro, the dollar, the Australian dollar, the Bitcoin, the Ethereum. Uh, we do a lot. You know, the Bitcoin is the easiest one because you're not bothered by any financial uh, uh, outcome. I mean, there's no fundamental news on cryptocurrency. So it's all emotions, which works perfectly with the cycles. No interruptions. So we do a lot in the Bitcoin. Um, I think we're up like 250%. I, I have to look it up at something like that. Um, what else? We do gold, silver, uh, the ETFs in gold, ETFs in silver, whatever you're looking for. Uh, it's there. I am also corn, wheat, uh, soya beans, lumber. It's a whole diverse package. Well, again, my guest is Dr. Charles Nenner. The clock tells me we're out of time, but the good news is if you stay with us, I'll be chatting with Dr. Nenner in the next segment as well. Don't go away. I'm Dennis Tubergen, your host. You are listening to RLA Radio. I have the pleasure of chatting today once again with uh, Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, Dr. Nenner has the website, charlesnenner.com. He is a cycles expert and analyzes many, many markets um, using cycles analysis. I would encourage you to go to his website, check out his work, and you can also get a 30-day free trial there. So, 
Dr. Natter, one, one broad question that occurred to me about cycles, you know, when you talk to somebody who does technical analysis, they look at daily charts or weekly charts or monthly charts, and the time frame um, that they use to analyze markets uh, can change their perspective. So is looking at charts or looking at these markets or these cycles long-term or short-term? Does your perspective change? And do you tend to use longer-term uh, perspectives or shorter-term perspectives, if that's a, a reasonable and uh, applicable question? No, that's, that's the right question. We look at yearly cycles, quarterly cycle, monthly cycle, weekly cycle, daily cycle, and intraday cycle. So we have a surface that tells you in the morning, as the piece starts going up, just give an example, right? At at, uh, at 9.30, it goes up to 2.15, and it goes up so many points, and then it goes down for so many hours. So what you do is you first you have to start with the long-term cycle. And if you have, a, if you have let's say, a quarterly cycle is down and a monthly cycle is down, and a weekly cycle is down. So if you have a daily cycle that turns up, you're only looking for a bounce because there's too much pressure going down. So the computer combines the short-term and the long-term cycles and comes with the end result. Interesting. So you, you mentioned uh, currencies are one of the things that you track. Uh, every currency in the world is a fiat currency today. We have seen uh, massive currency creation in the form of quantitative easing by nearly every central bank in the world. So, so tell me about your forecasts for the major currencies, the dollar, the euro, and the yen, if that's a fair question. Well, it's interesting. The yen, we took profit at exactly 150. I don't have higher price targets right now. Um, if it goes below 40, 149, we will have a, uh, it will reverse. And I think based on cycle, we go down uh, below 149. The dollar we still like. The euro we still don't like. We're still short from 111. I think it's now 105. Um, so for the moment, uh, there's not too much movement in, uh, in all the currencies. We watched the Australian dollar. We're still negative on the Australian dollar. Um, what else do we do? We're also negative on the British pound still. Uh, it's all there. And the question always is, if you ask me a question, is it for the next week, for the next month, for the next half year, for the next year? Uh, that's why I'm always trying to tell people, go for free, look what the research says. Because if I say something, you might say, oh, he means for the next year and only mean for the next four weeks. But the currency, the currencies are pretty stable. We don't expect a lot of movement over there. So the next thing in my mind that I need to ask you about is gold and silver. Uh, it, it certainly, uh, you take a look at gold and silver over the past three years, particularly gold has been in kind of a trading range. Uh, where do you see gold going from here? Well, I can tell you our position is we bought gold at 1845. I think it's now around 1990. Uh, our first price target was 2010. We, hit a, we went as high as 2007. Uh, the short-term cycle is still up uh, till the end of the month. And I said, if it goes to, through uh, 2010, the next level is 2080. But if it goes, I'll tell you this exactly like I wrote it, uh, but if it closes below 1985, we're out. So then we had a, a trade from 1845 to 1985 and uh, then we have to see how the cycles uh, the cycles will combine like the question you had is 
the cycle, daily cycle is up, the weekly cycle is still down. So it's coming to go, but you know, we're still careful until the weekly cycles bottom and then the bull market will resume. Do you have an ultimate upside target for gold? I've interviewed other I've interviewed analysts in the past that have suggested gold is at the beginning of a long-term bull market. And I've seen and heard upside forecasts of anywhere from you know seven to eight thousand up to as much as fifteen thousand. What would you say to those types of forecasts? Well, for years we have an upside target of two and a half thousand. And those big numbers are usually in order to get some attention. I said if it goes to two and a half thousand, we get a higher price target. But for now, I don't get higher than two and a half thousand. Okay, let's talk a little bit about uh, more. Uh, I'll call them more mainstream or more uh, widely invested in markets. And if you're just joining me, I'm chatting today with Dr. Charles Nenner. Uh, his website is charlesnenner.com. You can go there and check out his work and get a 30-day free trial. A lot of people that are saving for retirement have money in the traditional 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. Uh, well, what would be your, your forecast for uh, stocks, maybe uh, in particular the U.S. stock market indices? Well, I, can, I have to tell you exactly what we have. We have a, We were short. We had two important levels, S&P 4,200 and NASDAQ 40,500. If it goes through it, we get much lower price targets. But next week is a short-term cycle bottoming. However, the weekly cycle, the long-term cycles are still down. That's one thing. The second thing I have to warn about is that uh, if you want to Google, if you're not familiar with it, it's something called the Buffett indicator. He looks at the... Uh, at the total capitalization of the market. And the market is still very, very overbought. And the last thing I want to explain is that uh, people being fooled, if you go to broker, the broker says, you know what? Usually the market goes up like 9% a year. You probably heard that before, right? Right. What, what, what they don't tell you is that if you look from the 1800s and you draw a line with an angle of 9%, it is on the average of 9%. Right now, the problem is we're 60% above the average. So to say it goes up 9% a year from here is totally ridiculous. It means is if back to the average, you have to go down 60%. So all these things are just, just fooling the, the investors to go into markets. Uh, we have been for a while out of stocks. Um, and like I said, we're going to decide probably by the end of the week if the daily cycle is strong enough because the weekly is still down. Again, the important level is to watch S&P 4200 and NASDAQ 40,500. Uh, that was our first price target. And since we're close to short-term cycle low, it's possible to get a bounce from there. Uh, it's very risky. It's, uh, uh, I mean, the, the bond market, I think, is the biggest crash they ever had. It's almost down 50%. And I, I, I warned and I warned and I warned. I said, people, you get 1%, 1.5%. There's no inflation. Look at the history. You think, you know, the interest rates will never go up and inflation will never go up. So, to, sorry to say, they will never get the money back, uh, especially if they're in, in, in funds, because if they sell out, they don't get the principal back. But if they get the principal back in years and years and years, because inflation, they get maybe 50% for the dollar. So it's it's time, it was time, and it's still time to watch your savings to know to do the right thing. 
And please don't listen to everybody in, in, in the media because they will always say bye, bye, bye. Because if they're not positive, nobody's going to watch the channels. Uh, I've been a lot of CBC and a Fox channel and all these channels. And I, I've seen it. When you're negative, they don't want to hear that. They talk around it. And it's very hard to come up with the truth. So, Dr. Nano, let's let's zero in on bonds because I think it's, uh, you know, if, if you there were a few people like you talking about it, but if you go back three and a half years to, say, March of 2020, if you look at, for example, TLT, which is an exchange-traded fund that tracks the price action of the long-term U.S. Treasury, as you said, that's down 50%. I think it would be remarkable to most average listeners, average people saving for retirement, that you could lose 50% in a long-term U.S. government bond fund. And based on what you're saying, there's potentially more downside ahead. Yes, so if, if you follow the bounce that we're waiting for when the weekly cycle's bottom, it's a problem. You want to lighten up, but you're so, such big losses. I don't know if you're strong enough to take those losses. The problem that I wrote about years ago is that for 40 years, we had a bull market in bonds, and nobody believed bonds could ever come down. And that's why you have to study history, which is not always always the case. People don't have time for that. But most brokers also have no clue. Uh, I had a brokerage firm of myself, which I sold in uh, 1989 in the World Trade Center. And I've seen all these people. And it's amazing. The salespeople have no clue about anything. Uh, I don't mention any firms or names, so I will not be guilty of that. You should just know that these people don't know anything. And it's always a buying opportunity. And uh, these times are very hard times. Um, that's why I say, please look what we do. So at least you know uh, how the insiders approach markets, not based on news, not based on, on pundits, not based on med media. And at least get an idea what the possibilities are, because these are very trying times. And it's only getting worse because a real estate cycle tops next year also. So people still say, well, I had some profits on my house. But that's also going to come down starting next year. So just finishing up in the time we have left on the real estate cycle, you see real estate topping here next year. How low do you see real estate going? Well, that, that's, I'm not the expert in how low it will go because what happens is um, I need a movement in order to project what the end price target is. So I have to get the nice move down and then I can project what the end goal is. So for that, we have to wait. Um, but I want people to watch two stocks that we watch always. One is Lenar and one is Stoll Brothers. <coughs> and I can assure you, I watched that in 2006. <coughs> if you want to go to uh, to my OCBC 2006, I want everybody to get out of the market, out of, I mean, out of the real estate market, because those stocks were already down 40 45%. And the house markets were still holding up. So the insiders know that and they sell the stock. So watch these two stocks and the real start coming down. It's going to be followed by the housing prices. Well, I'm going to have to leave it there. My guest today has been Dr. Charles Nenner. His website is charlesnenner.com. You can go there and check out his work for free for 30 days. I encourage you to do that. Uh, Dr. Nenner, always a pleasure to catch up with you and always appreciate your perspective. Love to have you back down the road. Thank you for joining us today. You're welcome. We'll talk again. We will return after these words.
And welcome back into the final segment of the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Show. We are with Dennis Tubergen, and you did just hear earlier in the program uh, from a cycles analyst, great conversation with Dr. Charles Nenner. And uh, as we welcome uh, you back in, we do want to remind you about that Portfolio Watch newsletter uh, that is updated weekly. You can get that at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. Again, retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. And then... Uh, this is the the last final time you can get the uh, 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 report here until the new one comes out. Requestyourreport.com. That's requestyourreport.com. Uh, and then as well as the Precious Metals Buyer's Guide. Remember that website too, plpmetals.com. But hey, if you remember any of these websites, remember retirementlifestyleadvocates.com uh, because that is going to be able to get you in a number of different uh, areas. Well, Dennis, um you know, it's been a great uh, program here. And in this uh, final segment, uh, I want to circle back to something that we had talked about in the first segment, which was the valuation of a currency. And uh, I don't know who said this, but watch what they do rather than listen to what they are saying. And we're talking about that with the evidence that central banks are concerned about this devaluation of currency. And we've talked about central banks accumulating gold you know, in the past, but now there's some new information on some of these central banks buying gold. And uh, could you dig into that and unpack that for us? Yeah, Jeremy, happy to. You know, uh, central banks uh, in the United States, the central bank is the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve has been around since 1913. What a lot of our listeners may not be aware of is that the Federal Reserve is actually a private group of bankers. Back in 1913, Congress and then President Woodrow Wilson thought it would be a good idea to put central banks in charge of monetary policy or the issue of new currency. Well, in 1971, uh, then President Richard Nixon eliminated the link between the dollar and gold. And since 1971, the dollar has been a fiat currency. It's currency by fiat or by decree. It's currency or legal tender for all debts, public and private, because the government says it is. So now we have these central banks who who are in charge of the issue of currency. And these same organizations that are in charge of issuing fiat currency are now loading up on gold over the past few years. So when you say watch what they do rather than listen to what they say, that's probably good advice here. Now, Yahoo Finance uh, republished an article by Bloomberg, uh, not two of my favorite sources, but uh, interestingly, they reported, Bloomberg did, that countries expanded their gold reserves by 337 tons in the three months ending September. That follows an increase of 175 tons in the second quarter, And the estimate was they would accumulate 103 tons. So let's just say that in the first nine months of this year, central banks around the world, the organizations in charge of issuing and controlling fiat currencies, have accumulated 800 tons of new gold. Last year was record demand. This year, they're buying even more. So what does that tell you? Well, if central banks have gold in their portfolio, it might make sense for you to think about having some tangible assets in your portfolio as well. And that's why we offer the Precious Metals Buyer's Guide. I'd be happy to send you one absolutely free. 
plpmetals.com. That's Papa Lima. Papamedals.com is where you can go and let us know where to mail the report. And we'll be very glad to do that. Yep. And that was plpmetals.com. Well, Dennis, um, you know, some of the other signs that inflation is is taking its toll. This is a this is an interesting one. Uh that the the quote give car back has soared to record highs. Uh imagine when, when for internet searches like Google and uh in that too. And I'm curious what that means. Is it this you're talking about like if somebody maybe is regretting a big purchase right now because they know either they can't afford it or they're seeing or they're feeling consumer indexes that something bigger and not as pleasant is on the horizon. They want to get their money back. Is that what that means by the search internet says give car back has soared to record highs? What does that all mean? Well, I think that, uh, you know, that, that information uh, was posted on X, formerly Twitter. And basically it shows that Americans are, are searching internet searching, give car back at a record high level. Now, now what does that mean? Well, you know, everybody may have their own interpretation. I'll give you mine. My interpretation is that inflation is continuing to take its toll on American consumers. And Edmonds, the organization that tracks automobile data, recently reported that 17% of American car purchasers now have monthly car payments of more than $1,000. That's up 7% from just three years ago. So I think that just illustrates that consumers are stretched. And they're looking at ways to cut their budget. And one of the ways to do that is to get rid of a car payment that's costing them more than $1,000 a month. So I think this is just more evidence uh, that consumers are stretched. I think that uh, also the fact that the student loan payment moratorium ended in August and in October, and those payments had to start to be made again, is probably factoring into that as well. Well, Dennis, I don't know how much time uh, you have left. We do want to let people know that requestyourreport.com Last time, forget it's the debt, stupid. There's anything more why you want people to to jump to that website here in the final uh, moments here of the, the program? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, the report that we did for the month of October titled It's the Debt, Stupid contains uh, not only some debt statistics that I think you will find to be remarkable, uh, but it also leads us to what I believe is the inevitable conclusion that there's too much debt to be paid. Uh, the federal government has added $600 billion in debt in three weeks. That's a trajectory that cannot be sustained. Private sector debt, when measured as a percentage of the economy, now exceeds the level that existed in 1929, the period that preceded the Great Depression. So this report simply gives you the statistics, but more importantly, it will give you some strategies to consider for your situation to help protect you from what I believe is an inevitable debt crisis. Now, because something is inevitable, it doesn't necessarily mean it's imminent. It might not mean that it's right around the corner, but the, the bottom line is this, if there's too much debt to be paid, it won't be paid. So to get your copy of this report, your last opportunity to do that, you can go to requestyourreport.com and I'll send you the report as well as some bonus information. Jeremy, the clock says we have to leave it there, but be sure to tune in next week. We will both be back. Have a great week.